Hi, this is Donna Otto. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are modern homemakers and we have been talking about building your home on holy ground. We've been talking about who you are in that holy ground home, what you can do in that home. And we've been taking a, a journey through the various rooms of the house and we've talked about the door and we've talked about the four walls. And today I want to talk to you a little bit about the entry, the foyer, the welcoming room, the first room, the open door that you enter into, and the living room. Well, I had to get in my car and drive 30 minutes one day to pick up one of the items for our remodeling project. Yep. You've been hearing me talk about that. We have impeccable timing, don't we? We tear out the kitchen and redo a house that's 60 years old, six weeks before the pandemic strikes. And now we're six months of living in an unfinished house. Fun? Yeah. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's challenging. And I'm off to the building store, and I have one hour in the car, and I say, Siri, send me a podcast. Like you, I'm enriched and enlarged by this technological addition to our society. I really enjoy hearing people who I won't get the privilege of hearing face-to-face. -face. And sometimes we ask someone to listen to a podcast together, and I want to encourage you to invite a friend. Invite a friend. Listen to what Invite a Friend may do for you at Modern Homemakers in the days ahead. Listen by inviting someone to listen at the same time, whether you're in separate homes or not. Just say, will you listen and send an email saying I'm listening from, just to let us know that you're inviting a friend, just one. Well, we talked about the door and the four walls, and today I want to talk to you a little bit of the entryway and the living room. Maybe you call it the great room, or the den, or the TV room. There's so many names that can fit into this. I like the living room because it's an old word, but more than that, I like it because living is alive and relational. The rooms in our house give us diversity and send a signal about what's going to happen in these rooms. I called my cousin, who lives about one hour from us, and I said, well, how's it going in your neck of the woods? And she said, oh, today we visited the office. And I thought, that's strange. Her husband and she had been retired for a long time. And yesterday we visited the kitchen. And the day before that, we decided to visit all three places. And I laughed out loud. I thought, she had just lured me right in. We visited. Are you like that? Are you visiting room after room and you're kind of tired of being in the same room? Well, the rooms in our house do give us a sense of what is going to happen in that room. And for years, uh, those of you who've been around, you know that I love to decorate. I love to redecorate. I love redesign. I love helping someone redesign their house. I've had the privilege of doing that with young women for decades. And I say, do I have carte blanche? And usually what they'll say is yes, as long as you don't spend any money. And that's my favorite challenge, because I can tell you whether she's there or she goes off and leaves me and someone alone in her house for a few hours, I can take her stuff and make her feel, and her husband too, when they walk in that it's new. It's in a different place. It looks different. The way she's used something, I'm using it differently. And I always say, except for your bed, 
and the appliances, like a washer and dryer and refrigerator, buy furniture that will go in any room. A bookcase, a cabinet, a shelf, a table. These things, a, a little chest can go in a formal living room. It can go in a casual room. It can go in a bedroom. It can go in a kitchen. But most of our homes have some designation to them. And I want to talk first about today, about the entry room. What do you call it? The vestibule? The foyer? Is it big? Is it small? Is it full of boots and boxes and book bags? Is it narrow? Is it dark? Is it always first? Do we pass through it in route to something else? Some of you call it a welcome room. There's no real design to it or plan to it. It's just you're passing through. Yet coming and going are major activities in our lives. The Lord says to us in Psalm 121.8, The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. Now I've taken liberty with that verse. I know that. But a lot of it really goes on in a space. You are a space, and in your home you have a space. A lot of homes in America today, the entry point is through the garage. And I, as a public speaker, and I've been invited around the country, in some countries in this world, mostly English-speaking countries, to speak, um, and I've been delighted to do that in women's groups. I have had women who pick me up from the airport. They take me to lunch. They tell me about the festivities. I get to know who they are. And when I get to their house, I may be going there for a meal. I may spend me spending the night there. They park the car in the front of the house and take me through the front door. And it wasn't until that had happened three or four times that I finally thought, what's going on here? And then I realized, they don't want me in their garage. They don't want the queen of organizations seeing what their garage looks like. Do you feel that way? Right now, I can tell you, we have 150 boxes in our garage. Let me tell you, I don't want to be in my garage. So most homes, this entryway is in the garage, and then you're into the kitchen. What do you see in the garage, even if it's orderly? They're lawnmowers and tools and maybe things that need attention. Maybe they're hooks with jackets. Um, for sure, they're not formal rooms and comfortable chairs and settees and round tables that have bouquets of flowers on them, as we did long ago. But in whatever room it is that you enter in, it can be a stopping place because it's on its way to someplace else. It's on its way. I think with the advent of garage door openers, we miss this ritual often saying, you are family, come on in, come on in. You know, the heart of the house is always the kitchen, come on in. But I wonder about the function of welcome. I've been saying to you, welcome, welcome, welcome. We've been reading the welcome prayer in 2019 and early 2020. We're glad you're here, we say. The opening of the space called home and not lunging straight into the center of the house, which is often called the heart of the house, the kitchen. I can remember someone saying, how come your kitchen is always so neat? Well, in that time in my life, my kitchen was attached to a big room. I never liked that concept because I'm kind of messy in the kitchen, actually. I'm kind of a messy cook. And I don't always have time to do what I know to do, which is draw a sink full of hot sudsy water and put all the dirty things into it so that when dinner is over, they're already washed and ready to be cleaned up. 
I leave things on the counter. And if everybody can see what I leave on the counter, it's not setting a very pretty table, is it? Well, Tom Howard, who is Elizabeth Elliot's brother, he spoke about many things that had to do with home. And he gives the example of an athlete who runs a 5K or a 10K or a sprint and then comes to the marathon. <laughs> Did you ever run a marathon? I ran a half marathon. <laughs> I still think that's quite a funny line. <laughs> but before I ran the half marathon, I was new at running, and my husband was an avid runner. He, by that time, he had run a couple of marathons, and I really did have this grandiose idea that I would run a marathon one day. And so I thought, well, I'll start with a half marathon. My husband suggested that I start with a 5K, which was a really good <laughs> idea. And we lived in Chicago, and I was determined to find the route and run the entire route. I found out the sponsor. I found the route. I went to the city. We lived in the suburb. I went to the city. I ran the route. At the end of my first 5K race, really, really, not that monumental, one of my dear friends had an artificial laurel wreath. <laughs> For years, I had saved it because it was such a treasure. It was such a treasure. But Howard talks about the difference between the sprint and the 5K and the 10K and the marathon. And let me just tell you, what you're doing at home is running a marathon. And, and you are going to have a laurel wreath. In the midst of protests and riots and Black Lives Matter, we're called to remember his value of human beings. Everyone matters. We're all called to remember that no two are alike. When I pause in worship, I can say a large percentage of the time, I find myself praising God for the fact that everyone is different. Do you ever, does that ever strike you? It strikes me so often, I just feel blown over. I feel knocked out about it. Like, how is it that there could be billions of people in the world and no two the same? No two DNAs, no two fingerprints, no two. It, it, it's, it's just staggering to me, staggering to me. And only God could have done that. A unique human being is not a duplicate, but an original. Now, I love art, and I'm still longing to go to Amsterdam and see all of Van Gogh, or as he is being called these days, Van Gogh's work. Now I can tell you that a copy of his work is lovely. And it can be signed, and it can be valuable, expensive. But there's nothing like an original. There's nothing like standing in the Museum of Art in Chicago and looking that his work, the original. You are an original. And our culture may be losing the importance of difference, losing the importance of difference, not demeaning just the difference and celebration and acknowledgement of that. You are different. You are different. You are neat, unique, but you are important. And coming in the garage like family has a point. It does. It's lovely. And I ha happen to tell you that uh, one of my dearest friends in the world who used to live around the corner for me, I have her garage code. I mean, I, get, I go through her house into the garage with or without her. The guy am family. I like that. But I also like being invited to her home, and especially when there are people there, and coming through her front door, being greeted by she and her husband, 
being made to feel welcome. And I want to ask you to consider, have you let the entryway go because it's full of junk? Is the front door not being distinguished as different? Is the garage essential? It holds the car and the fumes of the gas and the oil. And the front door is a different kind of feel. The kitchen's cooking and the laundry room and the basement is off in the laundry room function. And a lot of that stuff all works together. Friendship, closeness, family. They don't want you to have your family come home through the front door every day because, no. But we're talking about the use of that entry and its function. For years, I have been sharing the function of friendship by using the fact that you have bedroom friends and you have curbside friends. I'm always amazed at how many people write me or call me or text me or tell me how they often use that idea in creating friendships and ending friendships and wondering why friendships have gone askew. Now, we're going to talk about friendships when we're through with this series, a little mini-series on friendships. But the entry has its function. Let's not be rigid. The dining room table, if you still have one, may be a classroom full of computers now. But the function is for dinners, and dinners that are different than dinners in the kitchen. And you may say, I only have one table, and that's all right. One-room concepts have been very popular, but I also think they have left behind the function and privacy. Uh, I said a few minutes ago, buy furniture that fits in all the rooms. There are certain rooms that you can't move around. You don't have a tub or a shower or a toilet any other place in the house. It's kind of bizarre if you walk into someone's house, there's a toilet in the middle of the living room or the dining room or the kitchen. The one-room concept it has this tendency to um, give us a different kind of function in life. And I want to remind you that you can accomplish the same things, but you might have to try a little more carefully. Now, there are times I have to tell you that the function of my bedroom, which is for sleeping, I'd kind of like a toilet there, you know, three feet from my bed so I don't have to walk around in the night and the dark and I'm getting older and may fall down. But that's not the point. The point is that the coming in and going out is a welcoming space. Be prepared. Oh, maybe you're taking off your shoes. Maybe you're remembering it because it's holy ground. But it is a gateway to something higher. Elizabeth Barrett Browning says these marvelous words, Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush of fire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. Can you see, can you see the earth crammed with heaven and common things afire with God? Take a bath, put down your purse, take off your jacket, feel welcome. Different than hanging your coat on the arm of the lawnmower in the garage. Our new home has a small entryway. I took a deep breath about it as we were buying it. And the design of our last home offered a very large, spacious a bench for purses and items I wanted the guests to take home with them. Because of the size of this new home, we determined to make the porch and the doors set apart. Set apart. Wider, broader. Just in an attempt to allow people to understand this function. In an attempt to be good stewards of money and space, not, let's not give up the function of coming in, of catching your breath, of anticipation of what is to come. 
moldings and lentils and thresholds all had a function and they were aided in entering. In Psalm 24 and 7, he says, Lift up your head, O ye gates, and the King of glory shall come in. I think the coming in is a slow down signal. It reminds you something's about to happen. It's like the foreplay in marriage. Sex starts with your eyes and your hands and touch before you get to the actual act. It's a rhythm of difference, plains and mountains, for to, for to miss, I can say it, loudly, when you play loudly or with gusto. Think of your entry. Rethink of it and make it an entrance, not just an ordinary happening. From the entry, we often go into the other rooms, the living room, the great room, the family room. And that room, too, has its function. And what is the function of this room in your home? The living room. I went through all the words that we call this room, the great room, the multiplex room, the TV room, the theater. I mean, there are lots of words these days that describe functions that happen in that room. But I really rested on this very old phrase, the living room. And I thought, I wonder why they called it the living room. And then I did a little research, and we called it the living room because real human beings did real life in the living room. They didn't sleep there. They didn't eat there. They did things that drew people together relationally. People and conversations. Some of our rooms are TV rooms. That's what they are. And they're computer rooms. And they're video games, and we eat there and knit there and do puzzles, and we have activities in this space. And those are relational things. We have played more games, haven't we? My husband and I have played more cards, done more Scrabble. We have an ongoing Scrabble board with a young person who comes to help us in these months of pandemic and the inability to do what we need to do and the lack of strength to do it. And we have a Scrabble board that's kept up, and when he comes, we add another word to it together, the three of us. Well, that's good. That's a a nice space. That's a living space. But what else is there? People and conversation, relational building, games, Bible studies, comfort. Even in places which are very large, they can be made to be more comfortable. They can have cushions and pillows and fabrics and throws. In the scripture, we see the triclinium, where people actually laid down to eat. When we picture Jesus in the Last Supper, they were experiencing something called a triclinium, where they laid out. You've seen kings and fabulous palace situations where the king is laying out and the grapes are being brought to his mouth. Well, that was the, the way, way people ate together. And that's, that's, that's a good thing. And we can warm up spaces where we sit so it doesn't look austere. When I was a girl, I had many relatives who had a living room that had furniture with plastic covers on it, and we never went into that room. There was no living being done in those rooms. It was a show-off room, and nobody got even inside of it to look at it. Now, I'm not sure how long... I would stay awake on a triclinium if I was going into it for hospitality or friendship. But I can see how relationships with grown-up and children alike can happen in a place with the function of living in it, not just sitting in it and watching television together. It's a place of charity. It's a place where there are demonstrations of love. 
It's a place for teaching children. It's a place for grandmas who put their coat in the hallway and come into the living room. And let's open Christmas gifts in the living room. Places where we have made for love both giving and receiving. I've noticed in some homes that I visited that children are not required to greet their guests. Have you noticed that? You walk into a house and the children are right there. You walk into the room with the children. They don't have to lift their head. They don't have to say hello. There's no greeting. There's no awareness that they are unique. And they, you want to say hello to them and you want them to say hello to you. And maybe they're your nieces and nephews or neighbor's kids or grandchildren. Maybe you come too often to the house and the proverb talks about that. But I want to call you to consider that in these rooms that we call living rooms, that children and families alike learn charity toward one another. I'm old-fashioned, I know, and I don't think you have to stand up and shake my hand when you see me, but the mere acknowledgement of my unique presence and your unique presence in the same room and that we just came into this room together is worth a look at me and a high. Love may call us to stop what we are doing and engage with one another. A husband or a wife who comes into the house, a child who lives there. If your child's gone off to college on the day he comes home, everybody can't wait. Well, why is it that every day we can't wait to be together? Because we take these things for granted. And I don't mean that it has to be an interactive engagement all the time. I know that that is not what we can endure. We talk about home and love, and we'll continue to do that as we talk about these rooms in the house, the bedrooms, and the kitchen. But a member of the family comes in and says, I'm home, dad or mom or child. They just acknowledge that they're home. Hi, I'm glad to see you. Now, I was an extraordinary wife. I want you to know that. I say that was because I guess I'm not so much extraordinary. But when my husband came home from work and I had had the privilege of being a stay-at-home mom, I did not work. I took care of our home, my daughter, our daughter, our when our my husband's sister needed a place after her husband died. Four of them moved in with us. My grandmother lived with us. We had young people who needed a space. There was often someone living in our home. And my life was to do all of that, wash and dry and clean the floors and train up the children in the way they should go. So I don't know about your life or my life. Does it look like a welcome home? Are we saying, you're safe here, this is a space, I'm glad you're home? I gave David uh, opportunity when he came home. I did. I made a serious attempt to figure out when he was coming home, and I would be somewhere near him. I literally greeted him and kissed him. I did. I, I did that day after day. And I, it was like inch by inch. I was saying to him, I value you. I'm really glad to see you. Now, I want you to know I did that a lot of it out of form and function because it sounded like a good idea, and I did it. But I realized the fruit of it after I did it, after I did it. It's so often we rush in the door and say, okay, everybody, let's go because we've got five minutes to get to the ball game. We've got to get, and we're eating in the car on the way. And sometimes that happens, and that's okay. But it's not so okay in my... Judgment, if you're trying to build a home on holy ground, if that's the regular. 
Now, I can tell you there's resistance to the husband, to the kids, to the family going into a room to have conversation. <laughs> oh, mom, are you kidding me? And yeah, are we using that room what they know is, oh, no. And I want you to say, I want you to listen to what I'm going to say and try to take it into your heart in a way that says, maybe I'll consider that. Get the room ready. Just make the room welcoming, whatever that means. If there's old and stuffy stuff in there, if there's stuff that's easy to break and you want the children to be in there, put it away. Get rid of it. If your husband says to you, he's such a difficult man to talk to, can't we do something else? Smile and nod and encourage him. The children whine and hiss. Don't pass it by. Let them whine and hiss. With all that resistance is met with your persistence and seeing the long-term net result, what do you think? I think it's going to be bingo. It is love for one another. It is relational. It's the two-step love God and love others. It's a place to live in, to grow in, to get acquainted in, to talk in. A place we might say is hallowed. It's mutual and full of exchanges, and some of those exchanges are not all terrific. Our daughter, I can still remember her, folding her arms and putting what we called her fungi lip, which was sticking on our bottom lip and saying, I'm not going out there, I don't want to meet those people, and I don't like those kids. Okay. Okay, what do you do with that? Like, as it's happening. Children don't always want to do what's best for them or what's good for them or something they feel uncomfortable with. And that is your job in providing a peaceful place where obedience and comfort meet one another. Where people can quarrel with one another and children can quarrel with their parents and they're not afraid. Parents aren't always correct and neither are children. But provide an incentive. Make it a good place, a beginning a place where your nucleus family can do something together. We talk very often, and there is a three-hour presentation on the power of the table and what communication can happen around an eating table. The psychology, the sociology, and the theology all tell us it's true. Well, I want to add to that. It's a room called the living room where people come together to live together and talk together and grow to know each other and to cement things together, to cry together, to a place to celebrate together. That same little girl who put out her lip and said, no, I'm not going, wants to make sure that very important moments in her life and our family's life happened in that very room. Don't you think we should go in there to do that? I can hear her little adolescent voice. I can remember when she was kind of 13, when the Star Wars videos were popular, and my husband went and bought what was a several hundred dollar machine that played videos. We had a 13-inch screen TV, and we moved it into that living room. We all sat on the floor and watched every Star Wars show we could watch. That's 36 or 37 years ago, and there's still a recall and a connection to that. Well, families are breaking up in record order. I don't have to tell you that. And what I've just described to you sounds like a lot of work, and I think it is emotionally and spiritually and mentally and practically. But I want you to know that I believe there are a lot of rewards in calling a room 
a living room and living in it together as people, individual, unique creations of God. I'm Donna Otto, and this is Modern Homemakers, and I want you to remember that the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of being relational with your family.